Thanks for listening to the Harold and Brad, Windy City Filmmakers Podcast. You can see the video podcast for this episode on our YouTube channel, Chicago Cat TV. Now sit back and relax, and enjoy the show. One, two, three. Harold and Brad, Windy City Filmmakers, Harold and Brad, Windy City Filmmakers, Harold and Brad. One. <laughs> What's going on, y'all? Brad Stevens here for another edition of the Harold and Brad Winnie City Filmmakers Podcast. HD, what's going on, brother? What's up? What's up? What's up, world? I'm happy to be here. Uh-huh. Great. We have a very special guest today, Chicago's very own James Reed is in the house. What's going on, man? Ain't nothing to it, but to do it. What's uh-huh. going on? Right, right. Good to have you. Good to have you. So the first question what we always ask people is, what is your connection to Chicago? And what kind of art do you create? Uh, I was born and raised here, uh, north side of Chicago. Right. Um, and I'm a filmmaker. Now, we were in, uh, we did uh, get a job together <laughs> back in the day. I think that's, the, that's when we first met, I think, on Get, on get a Job. Yeah. So, like, this is like a, a classic question for uh, any indie filmmaker. Uh, what are some of the challenges of financing a film and actually getting a film distributed? Well, what's, what's some of the challenges you face? I was blessed to have a, a mother who understood investing. And, uh, and it's funny because I used to study finance like on my own and stuff. And, and my mother uh, bought insurance. Right. And I'm just telling her, I was like, Ma, you know, uh, Insurance is not an investment. You know, that's waiting for somebody to die. She's like, be quiet, boy. I know what I'm doing. And, you know, and then when I came, when I came to her and told her I want to make a movie, you know, she's like, okay, you know, and she began to cancel some of my uh, policies. Okay. And she was like, so this is money. This is my money, you know, and, you know, I don't necessarily have to pay back myself. Right. I was just like, oh, wow. So, you know, I, I, I learned something. So my mother um, basically financed the film, but uh, you were you were on the film with me. So I'm not sure if you were there at this time, but after the first five days, I um, had to replace an actor. Okay. Yeah. And um, so this was supposed to be a 20-day shoot. And it, that, I'm sorry, it, it was supposed to be a 15-day shoot. Man, yeah. That was the budget, and it turned into a 20. Man. So uh, I had to get creative because, like, after the, the 15 days, you know, we took a break for, like, three months. Yeah. And, um, and I had to figure out, how am I going to get this money, you know? Right. And I prayed. I was like, God, I don't have any more money. You know, I couldn't get anyone to give me any money. I had got I got some some people, you know, uh Facebook, stuff like that, maybe send me twenty dollars, maybe send me fifty dollars, but yeah, not enough to finish five days worth of filming with the whole crew. Come up with an idea of selling the premiere tickets to finish the movie. Right. So we were selling the premiere tickets in order to get the money to finish the movie. 
Oh. I, was, I was there and it seemed like the place was packed. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that was crazy because I didn't, um, that wasn't planned. Okay, so with the, uh, with the premiere, there was a lot of people there. And I'm thinking, oh, it's only gonna be like 300 people, maybe. Now the place held like 1,300. Man, so yeah. of course, I didn't get uh, a videographer because I'm like, I'm not gonna look like a fool, you know, because it's gonna be like two people. Yeah. It's gonna look like two people in there, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, 300 and it, it, it holds 1,300, right. you know? And then I was on my way there and Lil Rail called me. He was like, uh, yeah, you coming? And I was like, uh, yeah, you know, it don't open up till the hour. You know, I'm like, we, we just stuck in traffic. We like down the street. He's like, well, people are already coming in. I'm just like, what? Wait a minute. You know, why did it that soon? Nice. And then it was like, uh, we got there. And it was like a, a line around the corner. I was just like, whoa. So, so talk, talk about distribution for the project. Uh, how, how did, how did oh, that go on? Man. Okay, so listen, this was, this was uh, uh, learning ground for me because this was my first film. This was my first time uh, writing a feature film, promoting all of this stuff. I remember after making a film, I thought, well, you know, the film is good. I love the film. Other people love the film. It's hilarious. I said, you know what? I'm going to iTunes and I'm going to make a million dollars. But the thing is, is uh, people were stargazers, you know, astrologers. They they looking for stars. They like, well, who's in it? Right. And it was like, well, it doesn't matter who's in it. You know, it's good. Put the needle on the record. Now, I believe in in the two thousands, you know, well, in the, in the in the nineties, I would say, you could get away with that. You could make a film just because it was black and it was good and no one was in it. You can make a lot of money, but uh, if we weren't, we made that film in, in 2010, you know, and when we shot it in, uh, yeah, in 2010, it, my, my time had passed, you know, for that. And it's something because um, Lil Rel was, gave it to Chris Spencer, uh, who did The Real Husbands of Hollywood. Yeah. And he was like, um, he finally watched it because he wouldn't watch it. He probably thought it was going to be, you know, a lot of uh, independent films aren't really that good. You know, it's not quality or anything. And so it took him like three months to watch it. And Rail just kept asking him like, man, did you watch it? Did you watch it? Then he finally watched it and, and, and like two, three o'clock in the morning, he called him. He said, oh man, I love the film. You know, you guys did a good job. And Rail was like, so what should we do with the film? And Chris was like, put it in a film festival and watch the magic. And that was my first big mistake. I didn't put it in a film festival because I felt like, what do I need a film festival for? You know, uh, this movie is good. You know, and I keep in mind, I went to school uh, in the 90s, you know, for film. So I'm thinking, I still have the 90s mentality. You know, where, you know, you can make money with no one in it because everybody was looking for black content, you know, and uh, I was wrong. 
doubt. But you know, it's, it's funny you say that because like you just see how the uh, how things changed up. Because like going back to the uh, well, maybe even the late '80s. I remember when uh, Spike Lee dropped "She's Got to Have It," right? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, it was something. And even, even before I knew anything about independent filmmaking, there was something about the rawness of the film and the fact that it yeah. sense that you know, get the sense this dude made this film and it didn't have big Hollywood uh, backing. And then, like right. you were saying, other movies in the 90s, like uh, Just Another Girl and the IRT, one of my yeah. favorites, you know. Yeah. It didn't have Buku stars, but was a great film. Yeah. But now yeah. it's like the sense, we, as time passes on, it gets so competitive, you know what I'm saying? And then on yeah. top of that, technology makes it easier to make a film. So it makes it easier for a lot of crap to be out there, but also a lot yeah. of good films that may be hard to find those gems and the, yeah. the myths, man, that, yeah. that challenge. Now, now I know that uh, Lil Rel is bigger than life now. So is, is there a, a, a resurgence for the film or is anything else happening with it right now? Well, it's now on uh, Amazon. Yeah. You know, uh, which is good because people can see it, but you, you don't make money like you did before with Amazon. I mean, it's like if Amazon was doing business how they did maybe a couple years back, you can make some good, You, I would really be able to make some money. But, you know, especially during, you know, COVID where right now we're living in a time where content is king. It's, it's, not, it's not that way like now. You know, I was looking uh, at the stats and it's like 50, it's like 60,000 minutes, you know, viewed, and it may be like a little bit over a week. Right. You know, but, and you would think, oh, oh, oh that's some money, you know, <laughs> but it really ain't no money when, 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 when it's like they give you 90, uh, the film is like 90 minutes, so you get like a couple of pennies yeah. for each, each hour, you know, so... You, you, you know, it's, it's right now it's like a matter of showing people who I am and, you know, like getting out there. It's going to happen, man. Checks, checks in the mail, brother. Checks in the mail. <laughs> no, no, I always say that. So like we like we talked about this before, too. Uh, what's the advantage? How important is it to be a writer as a director? L- let me take you back. OK, I never wanted to write. OK. I went to Columbia College, majoring in film and minoring in television. Okay. Now, this was my junior year, okay? So, first day of film class, I'm sitting in the front, I'm ready, you know, because I know this is what I'm called to do. I raised my hand, I said, when do we get to film? Right. They were like, okay, well, you're going to have to take the history of cinema and start naming all these boring classes. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I'm enjoying no more electives for me. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then that same day, I had my TV class. Went to my TV class, and uh, uh, it's like, don't take your coats off because you're going to be going to the TV cage. You're going to get a TV uh, uh, a video camera. You're going to go out and you're going to shoot. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, wow, you know, uh, we get to shoot. And, and, and then so, of course, me being young, I dropped film and I just went head on for television. Uh, after I graduated in television, I might have took a screenwriting class, but I have paid attention because I was like, well, I'm just going to direct. 
You know, I don't have to uh, write. So I'm in and out of my field, you know, like all of this time. And then, so I'm just like, well, man, why am I not doing what I really want to do? And the answer came, it's like, uh, you don't have a script. And I'm like, ah, I don't have a script. What, what should I do? Right. And the answer came again, write it. I was like, oh, <laughs> no doubt. God. Yeah. You know, I'm like trying to write, right. you know, but my back was against the wall because it was like, how do you tell your son to chase his dreams if you're not really chasing yours because you're allowing something to hold you back? True. So I studied screenwriting for a year and then I wrote Get a Job. And uh, it's, it's something because the only reason why I'm a director is because I became a writer first. So, so as yeah. a screenwriter, how do you um how do you, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Do you start off with a log line? Do you have a character in mind? Okay, well, um, this is how I did with get a job. Uh, I heard I had I had an idea. I was trying to see I had an idea for a different movie, and but with get a job, it was like I heard a woman, two women talking, and one woman said to the other. Uh, I wouldn't give a man on the on the street uh, uh, a penny, <laughs> and so she was like, "Because a man could always get a job." Yeah, and I was like, "Wow, that was that's kind of ignorant." You know what I'm saying? Like, you never know what a person is going through, <laughs> and so that just made my mind start going. And I was like, "I want to write a movie on how hard it is to get a job." Yeah, and in that, uh, because of you know studying. I, I knew that I had to have somebody pursuing something and, you know, I knew I had to have a theme and stuff like that. So I started working the idea like, you know, well, what should I do if if the guy wants a job? And I was like, well, why isn't he getting a job? So I had to answer that question. Yeah. And I was like, and I came up with the idea coming from an entrepreneur uh, family, family full of entrepreneurs. I was like, well, maybe he's not meant to have a job. You know, so I started exploring that idea and and that's how I came up with with that. And I said, well, it's going to be a comedy. So what what should it be? And I was like, why don't I do it about two comedians? And the, the two comedians that I wanted to work with was uh, Ricky Smiley and LaBelle Crawford. OK, but I had a friend of mine kept telling me, just go, go local. It's like, just go local, go local, go local. And then uh, it was hard for me to get in contact with Ricky. So I just decided to go local. Uh, I, I just came up with the with the idea. Well, they were a big inspiration because it was kind of easy for me to see them visually as characters. Right. And dialogue is like it's like really easy for me. So you know, I just went that way. You know, I, I just focused in on them and uh, uh, wrote down my inciting incident and. And, and 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 my midpoint and turning points and stuff like that just no doubt just went from it went went to it from there. Thanks for listening to the Harold and Brad Windy City Filmmakers podcast. Check us out on YouTube and tune in again.